Real quick before we get started, I want to tell you about the Build Something Weekly newsletter. It is weekly, it is free, and you will get tips, tricks, and tools delivered directly to your mailbox. I will recap the current week's episode and all of the takeaways. I'll give you a top story, content I wrote, and then some recommendation that I've been using that I think you should check out. So it is free. It is weekly. It's over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Go ahead and sign up over at howibuilt.it slash subscribe. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How I Built It, the podcast that asks, how did you build that? I am workshopping a new tagline, though. And that is actionable tech tips for small business owners. So uh, let me know what you think of that. Uh, This is episode 209. It is brought to you by our fantastic sponsors, MindSize, Restrict Content Pro, and Text Expander. You'll hear about them later in the show. But for now, I am excited to bring in our guest. His name is Mike Begg. He's a co-founder at AMZ Advisors. And we are going to be talking about several things that I know a lot of people listening are interested in opening up another income stream, uh, discussing what it's like to transition uh, to a fully remote team. Mike is currently in Guadalajara, Mexico, and has a remote team of 30 people. So uh, we're going to talk about managing that. Mike, how are you doing? Joe, I'm doing very well. Thank you for that uh, great introduction. And I'm excited to be here and hopefully provide some good insights to your audience. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. I appreciate you being here and I am excited. So uh, before we get into the crux of the matter, why don't we set the stage? Uh, you okay. know, you I have here in your information that you went from uh, employee to freelance to business owner to running your remote team. I feel like that is a path a lot of us take. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey up to kind of uh, what you do now? Sure. So uh, as I mentioned before, I, I went to school in Philadelphia Anyway, graduated <laughs> from there. Uh, you know, just throwing that in there. Yeah. Uh, graduated from there, started working in consulting. I went to uh, Deloitte uh, out of school. And then after that, I moved into real estate development. Uh, I had a really great job. I really enjoyed what I was doing. But, you know, I just kind of always wanted to work for myself. Uh, so I started trying to find ways to, to use my knowledge, my expertise uh, to build other revenue streams. But at the same time, I started getting into e-commerce. Um, between the two, you know, I was doing some freelance work for, for, uh, real estate valuations, real estate consulting on Upwork. And then I was also, uh, building the e-commerce side. I started publishing some eBooks on Kindle, started making a little money that way. Uh, then moved into retail arbitrage, private labeling, building my own brands by importing products from China. And then eventually building the agency that I have now. And, uh, we've been building this now for about six and a half years now. And yeah, it's, it's been going great. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, I mean, you've been, you have quite a wealth of experience. So first of all, you went to school in Philly. Did you grow up in or near Philly? Uh, yeah, some, somewhat close. I'm from Connecticut originally. Okay. So I think it was about two and a half hour drive. North, it wasn't too bad. Like North or South Connecticut? Uh, like Southwestern. I'm close to New York. So you're, you're a New York sports fan, I assume, right? Because Connecticut's divided. <laughs> New York and Boston, right? Honestly, it, it is. And honestly, I'm kind of a mix of everything. Okay. Uh, my, I told you I went to school in Philly. My uncle also went to St. Joe's. Okay. And when I was little, uh, he was just buying me all Eagles stuff. So I'm actually an Eagles fan uh, wow. for football. 
but for hockey and basketball, I'm a New York fan. So gotcha, gotcha. Cool. We'll go Rangers. I'm originally from New York, and so I'm a New York sports fan. Uh, awesome. <laughs> how do you feel about Doug Peterson being fired? Real quick. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised. It, it was a pretty bad season, but yeah. you know, it is what it is. He, he won the championship for us, so can't complain about that. That's true. And I, that was the only time I've ever really rooted for the as a Giants fan. You know, I rooted for the <laughs> Eagles that year because. I still don't like Tom Brady. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, that's that's maybe we'll do more sports talk in the members uh, part of the episode. But um, so real estate development, uh, you said a whole lot of e-commerce things there that I like couldn't keep up with. But uh, you mentioned something um, that it sounded like you said retail arbitrage that sounded very similar to drop shipping. Is that kind of the same thing or are they different? How are they different? It's, uh, they're similar for sure, but, uh, it's a little bit different in that you're, you're not buying a bulk load of inventory from, from Asia or, you know, Mexico or wherever you're manufacturing. Uh, essentially what we were doing, uh, was going to every target in Walmart in the tri-state area and just buying up everything on clearance and then turning around and selling it on Amazon. And oh. We actually ended up making about, uh, 10 to $12,000 doing that. And then we invested it into inventory that we did buy from China and started selling that selling that online. That's so interesting. So I guess at this point, we should kind of make it clear, right? That AMZ advisors, AMZ is Amazon, right? For all intents and purposes. Yes, uh, more or less. <laughs> uh, if your lawyers tell you, you can't say that, that that's fine. Um, but you focus on kind of doing e-commerce through marketplaces like Amazon. Is that accurate? Exactly. I mean, right now the e-commerce space is blowing up and there's no bigger player than Amazon. So we saw this, you know, six, seven years ago uh, and we just kind of went all in into the space, learned as much as we could, became experts in pretty much everything to do with e-commerce on the platform. And yeah, it's definitely paid off. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. You saw this six to seven years ago. That's really interesting, right? Because um, there are retailers that I really like or makers that I really like that I will go to their website and if I have to, uh, if I have to pay for shipping, <laughs> I will see if they are selling on Amazon, right? Oh yeah. Uh, do you find that that's like what? So um, that's a little anecdote, but like, what do you do? You find that a lot of consumers do that because there's got to be some benefit, right, for uh, shops, smaller shops, to be selling on Amazon, even though Amazon takes a cut, right? I assume Amazon <laughs> takes a cut. Yeah, they, yeah. they do. They take a pretty good size cut, yeah. actually. Um, I mean, you, the way I always phrase this to, to our clients and to people I'm talking to about the Amazon platform is that Amazon's the biggest brand discovery tool that there is. You know, if you want to be found, you need to be on the Amazon platform. I mean, you're a perfect example of it. You, you go to, to, to Amazon to search to see which one uh, has faster shipping or cheaper shipping. Um, you know, people just go to Amazon now instead of Google to figure, to yeah. find what the best price yeah. is on a product. So, you know, as a small brand, you have to be on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Right. Plus there's like this, uh, this trust factor, maybe not trust in like <laughs> Amazon big a as a corporation though. I mean, whatever. <laughs> um, but like amazon.com, I will, I trust to keep, to give my credit card information to versus I don't know. My parents sent me a website the other day that was like, would your daughter like, like would, would your, they didn't say your daughter, uh, would <laughs> Teresa like this? It's like a, a scooter thing, but the website was like shop online dot sale. I'm like, I don't order from this website. This is crazy. 
Yeah, there's, yeah, I mean, consumer trust is the big thing that Amazon helps uh, a lot of brands get over because I mean, the reality is most people don't have good websites to sell through right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just one hurdle the Amazon platform helps. I mean, convenience, fast sh- uh, shipping is another huge selling point uh, in the eyes of consumers. So yeah, I mean, all of that's really important. This episode is brought to you by Restrict Content Pro. If you need a fast, easy way to set up a membership site for yourself or your clients, look no further than the Restrict Content Pro WordPress plugin. Easily create premium content for members using your favorite payment gateway, manage members, send member-only emails, and more. You can create any number of subscription packages, including free levels and free trials. But that's not all. Their extensive add-ons library allows you to do even more like drip out content, connect with any number of CRMs and newsletter tools, including ConvertKit and MailChimp, and integrate with other WordPress plugins like BBPress. Since the Build Something Club rolled out earlier this year, you can bet it's using Restrict Content Pro, and I have used all of the things mentioned here in this ad read. I have created free levels. I've created coupons. Uh, I use ConvertKit and I'm using it with BB Press for the forums. I'm a big fan of the team and I know they do fantastic work. The plugin has worked extremely well for me and I was able to get memberships up and running very quickly. Right now, they are offering a rare discount for How I Built It listeners only. 20% off your purchase when you use RCP How I Built It at checkout. That's RCP How I Built It, all one word. If you want to learn more about Restrict Content Pro and start making money with your own membership site, head on over to howibuilt.it slash RCP. That's howibuilt.it slash RCP. Thanks to Restrict Content Pro for supporting the show. And now let's get back to it. To bring this back to kind of freelancers and other small business owners, a lot of people who listen to the show are small business owners. Many are uh, web savvy, perhaps maybe even web developers. Um, so they can probably build their own e-commerce. I, I'm guessing using WooCommerce, that's a generally popular platform. Um, I mean, it's like a quarter of e-commerce sites use WooCommerce. So um, if they are, you know, if we have a small business owner who wants to get into kind of selling stuff online, um, maybe their own products, maybe not, right? Because you just demonstrated that it doesn't necessarily have to be your own products. What are some of the things that they should think about as far as uh, research goes? <laughs> Uh, as far as like researching what products they want to sell or, you know, just kind of understanding how the Amazon platform works. Yeah. Let's, let's go with kind of how the Amazon platform works. Right. Um, sure. We had a previous episode about drop shipping that talked about kind of researching uh, yeah. products, but if you have tips, you know, that was two years ago now and nah, there was like a whole I can pandemic talk. here and there. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of things have changed. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Amazon platform is pretty straightforward. Obviously, you know, the, the consumer customer side is a lot better built out than the actual seller side. You know, there's a lot of pain points on the seller side. There's a lot of people that get frustrated with Amazon, you know, just, just part of the process. Amazon is built to serve their customers, not their sellers, which is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, you, you sign up with a professional account costs about $40 a month. 
Uh, from there, you upload your listings. You need to have UPC barcodes uh, for your products. So you need to purchase those from uh, GS1. Those are about, I think a 10 packs, like $300. So it's not that crazy. Uh, from there, you can list your products on the platform. And Amazon will pretty much handle the entire fulfillment side of the sales if you want to. I mean, if you don't have your own warehouse or your own fulfillment team or you don't want to be packaging, you know, a hundred orders a day to go ship out yourself. Uh, Amazon's great for that. You know, using Amazon FBA, you can send all your inventory right in. They'll distribute it across the country closest to the consumers that are going to probably be purchasing your product. And then as the orders come in, they'll handle the, the shipping, they'll handle the customer service and any issues on that end. So super helpful if you are a smaller business and you don't have the capabilities to, to really deal with the fulfillment and customer service aspects yourself. Um, if you do, I mean, that's great. You don't need to use FBA. You can also fulfill orders directly from your warehouse, but FBA definitely gets you a little uh, more visibility on the platform. Definitely helps you stand out more because you get the prime badge, which is another very big selling point when consumers are, are shopping on the platform. And that's more or less the basics to it. I mean, there's a lot of other, uh, you know, specific niche things that we could talk about that, that can help you sell more. But just getting set up on the platform is pretty straightforward. And, you know, following those processes, you can pretty much do it on yourself, on your own. Yeah, for sure. So the kind of use cases I'm thinking through right now is maybe we have like a maker who's creating their own stuff. Uh, or we have somebody who's maybe looking into drop shipping or, or um, retail arbitrage, right? I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, somebody who's selling other people's products, right? Um, yep. And it seems like I, if I'm making something, I can sell, I can basically send it to Amazon for them to fulfill. Or I, I assume if I'm doing some, uh, if I'm buying someone else's product in bulk, I can have them send it directly to Amazon. Is that, is that how it goes? Or do I need to send, do I need to have them send it to me to then send it to Amazon? Yeah. I mean, most of the time you're going to have it sent to yourself or you're going to be purchasing it yourself in person and then you're going to be sending it to Amazon. Gotcha. Um, that's probably about 90%. There are some people that will send it directly to Amazon for you, but it's a little bit uh, more difficult to find. I see. I mean, it really doesn't matter what size business you are, how many employees. Uh, there's, there's so much potential to grow on the platform. We have a client that was literally a one person operation to start with. And she started working with us a couple of years ago. She was doing about, I think 15 to $20,000 a month in sales. And, you know, two years later, she's doing $350,000 a month in sales. Wow. And now she's actually been able to build out a team. I mean, she's, she's making significant revenue. She has a significant team to help her now. And, you know, that's just one example of how quickly you can grow on the platform and, you know, how much you can scale a business just through the Amazon sales channel. Yeah, that's great. And so like, and, and this is, um, the kind of reason we're talking about this, right. Is because as a freelancer, as a small business owner, uh, you worry about when your one big client says we don't need you anymore. <laughs> right. Like yeah. we want to diversify our income. And so, um, selling through Amazon is a good way. Now I suspect, uh, the listeners like me, um, do more kind of digital products. Um, you mentioned that you started selling books on Kindle. I want to ask you about that in the members only show. Um, okay, sure. Uh, but in general, Amazon, we're talking mostly about physical products here, right? 
Yeah, for the most part. Um, you know, the the Kindle side is just one piece of Amazon. There, there's, you know, it's it's a royalty-based business. So you create a, a piece of di- digital content and you're making money forever. I mean, books I published eight years ago are still right. bringing you royalties every month. Um, so yeah, that's just one way to do it. But, uh, you know, physical product businesses are, are also pretty easy to build through the platform and, uh, you know, not that challenging to do on, uh, you know, it's not a full-time job to do it on your own. Um, if you have a few products that you're selling. So, yeah. That, and that's fantastic, right? Cause the fulfillment kind of is the, the hardest part, right? I don't have room in my house to keep inventory, right? I've got yeah. two kids now, so I don't, you know, that their toys are where my inventory would be. Um, <laughs> now, now, uh, the other part of this is that you, uh, your personal path has led you to creating AMZ advisors and mm-hmm. you have, you say you're running a, a remote team of 30, right? Yes. Uh, so let's, let's talk about kind of how you built that team and then how you moved to remote, right? Cause right now, uh, the listeners can't see this of course, but I'm looking at you in an office with multiple desks, but you're by yourself. I assume because we're recording this in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, that would be a good assumption. Um, It's actually kind of a funny process that we went through. I mean, it started with, um, you know, definitely working remote and then coming into this office. And now now we're remote again because of the (laughs) pandemic, but um, yeah, I mean, as a business, we started growing, it was myself and two other partners in the, in the, uh, agency to start with. And we were handling a lot of things ourselves. We were able to get to about $40,000 a month in revenue, uh, with us just handling it, which was nice. Cause I mean, that was like 90% margin. So yeah. that was a nice little you know payday. And then we realized if we wanted to actually take it beyond this and build something that had some equity value or, or something that could provide us an exit in the future, uh, we really need to build a business and not just be doing this freelance work. I mean, again, if you're relying on a lot of clients or a couple of big clients that are really bringing in the revenue, like we kind of were, uh, it's, there's a lot of risk in your business model that way. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. Um, so we realized that we had to start scaling. We started with using virtual assistants in the Philippines. Uh, so that was one aspect of our remote work team. Uh, obviously there's definitely challenges with that. Uh, time zone being one of the big ones. Um, you know, we, as an agency, we need to respond to clients quickly. We need to provide good customer service and dealing with time zone differences created a lot of issues around that sometimes. Um, so we continued to grow and I actually came to Guadalajara, uh, which is where I met my girlfriend and you know why I'm still here. Uh, and as we continue to grow, we needed more uh, people. Um, so we started hiring client facing people remotely in the U S and content team people here in Mexico. So doing graphic design, content writing, um, you know, some administrative stuff, things like that. Uh, and now we've actually started hiring client facing people here in Mexico as well. So it's just been a process of just scaling like that. Obviously, you know, March, 2020 hits and that kind of all changes. Um, you know, the pandemic comes and now everyone's working remotely, um, in Mexico now we have 18 people completely remote. Um, and it was, it's obviously a big change. I mean, I know it affects some people differently. Um, but we had a great office community prior to the pandemics. It was great. Like having the people we worked with really enjoyed it. 
And now I know a lot of people are kind of missing having that interaction with everyone in person. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the same talking through Slack, for example, but um, it's one of the challenges that, that most companies are facing right now. This episode is brought to you by Text Expander. It's a new year and you can start off on the right foot by reclaiming your time. With Text Expander, you can save time by converting any text you type into keyboard shortcuts called snippets. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling and message errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. With Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. Better than copy and paste, better than scripts and templates, Text Expander snippets allow you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. Text Expander can be used in any platform, any app, anywhere you type. Take back your time and increase your productivity in the new year. And let me just say that Snippets is not all it does. With advanced snippets, you can create fill-ins, pop-up fields, and much more. You can even use JavaScript or AppleScript. I can type out full instructions for my podcast editor, Hi Joel, in just a few keystrokes. Another one of my favorite and most used snippets is PPT. This will take whatever text I have on my keyboard and convert it to plain text, so I'm no longer fighting formatting. Plus, if you have employees or contractors, you can use Text Expander to manage and share snippets with them so you all get it right every time. I've recently started sharing Text Expander snippets with my virtual assistant. This year, How I Built It is focusing on being productive while working from home. Text Expander is the perfect tool for that. Plus, they're providing resources and blog posts to help you make the most of their tool and be productive. Text Expander is available on Mac OS, Windows, Chrome, iPhone, and iPad. If you've been curious about trying Text Expander or simple automation in general, now is the time. Listeners can get 20% off their first year. Just visit textexpander.com slash podcast and let them know that I sent you. So you you built your team um, and you realized that you needed, uh, well, I should say you realized you needed to build a team, right? So you started with VAs. Now, last week's episode 208, uh, I spoke to Matthew Yeas uh, all about hiring a virtual assistant. Um, and you realized that you 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 needed... First of all, people closer to your time zone, right? And yeah. perhaps people who you could work more closely with that were more familiar with your business, which is, again, another transition. Check out episode 208. Um, <laughs> so you have client-facing people remotely in the U.S. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, then you mentioned content people in Mexico and client-facing people in Mexico. Uh, yeah. Is there... I want to I want to word this the right way, right? Because obviously the people in the U.S. most likely speak English. Are you hiring English speakers in Mexico too, or are the people in Mexico handling kind of a different client base for you? No, they're uh, they all work with English uh, speaking clients. You know, our clients are in the U.S., Canada, uh, the U.K., Australia, India. So I mean, everyone is English speaking, um, and it's not a problem. I mean. Uh, the reality is so many people 
here in Mexico, grow up learning English. Mm-hmm. So many even are born in the U.S. and grow up there and come back to work or go to high school there, or go to college yeah. there. So uh, it's actually pretty easy. We have, uh, you know, our entire team is phenomenal with their their English. Um, so our clients don't even notice really when they're uh, you know talking to them that they're not even from the U.S. Gotcha. Great. Yeah. I was just kind of generally, generally curious about that. Um, cool. So, uh, as you mentioned, the pandemic hit March, 2020, you moved remote. Um, and, and you mentioned that there are some difficulties there, right? There are people who, uh, enjoy the kind of water cooler talk and things like that, seeing their coworkers. Uh, what, what kind of tools and processes did you put in place to help mitigate, uh, moving, moving an entire team remotely? Yeah. Um, it was, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, communication is the backbone of everything. Uh, really the, the first step was, uh, making sure that we were implementing Slack. Uh, most of our client, our team communications are through Slack. However, we also have weekly phone calls just so everyone's on board. We're up to date with everything. Uh, we do, uh, monthly newsletters, uh, to our team where we update them on what's going on in the business, you know, what we're focusing on, how we're growing. So we try to keep, uh, the communication piece, because that's the most important to us, uh, you know, top of the line. I mean, if you can't support your team in that way, if they don't have any idea what's going on, um, you know, it's definitely a little bit scary as an yeah. employee, not not really understanding what's going on in your business. Um, beyond that, we've tried some other virtual events. Uh, we did a virtual cooking class, which was actually kind of fun. Uh, and then we had a virtual uh, mixology class as well. Wow. So it was kind of like a, a work happy hour. Awesome. Um and yeah, I mean, those are some of the things we've done. Uh, you know, Zoom, is, Zoom has become incredibly valuable uh, for video conferencing and actually seeing people face-to-face, not just for work, but for personal life as well. So yeah, I mean, that's more or less the way that we've helped manage our team here in Mexico. Uh, it's, it's different. I mean, like I said, they were in the office environments that I knew each other personally. They were hanging out, they were having lunch. You, you know, we were going out to lunch together. It's a little bit different than our team that was in the U.S. that was fully remote from the start. Right, right. So they didn't have that face-to-face, person-to-person interaction. So the, yeah, the, the relationships are a little different. Um, so trying to do something here in Mexico is extremely important to you know, build something a little bit more solid for our team there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, as far as... Um, so, you know, we, we talked about the, we talked a little bit about your client work, uh, mm-hmm. your, again, most of your, um, it seems like most of your client facing team was uh, originally in, in the U S and remote anyway. Uh, have you had to change your process at all for, uh, pitching or client acquisition? No, we've actually, uh, always done our, our business development remotely. Um, we've only met in person, I think with two or three clients over the course of six years. So, oh. Uh, everything we do is online. Everything we do is remote video conferences have, uh, we were doing that well before, uh, the pandemic hit mm-hmm. to, to get that face-to-face, uh, relationship. But the good thing at, for us as well was that, you know, the Amazon space was, I mean, it's still evolving, but it, it was fairly smaller back then. There weren't as many companies in it. It was harder to find people that were specialized in that knowledge. So having the remote business development wasn't that much of a challenge. Okay. Um, and I, I mean, I, I can't speak for every digital agency, but I think more and more people are open to to the remote stuff. I don't, I don't think meeting in person as as is as important as it used to be, um, because we can all work online, and, and more and more people are, are realizing that. Yeah, gotcha. But yeah, so so your biz dev uh, mostly remote, and that's an interesting point, right? It seems like you specialized in such a way that 
you were probably, you know, web developers, I feel are like a dime a dozen. I, I am one, yeah. so I can say that. <laughs> um, but people who specialize in your services, at least a few years ago, um, probably are pretty scarce. I think, as you said. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's not, there are a lot more now. There's a lot more competition. There's a lot of agencies that are newer that don't have like the experiences that we do. They don't have, you know, the prior uh, experience selling themselves either. So there's a lot of people that are moving into the space, but which is also a challenge because the quality is going to be very different between the agencies that people are working with. Um, So, you know, obviously we always recommend working with an agency that's been around longer that understands how the Amazon space has evolved because that's extremely important to get a better idea of where it's going. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, this is great. We're, uh, you know, we're coming up uh, on kind of the end of our main uh, discussion. Again, in the members, in the Build Something Club portion of the episode, we'll be talking about uh, selling, selling books on Kindle and perhaps other digital products. Uh, so if you are not already a member, you can sign up over at buildsomething.club for $5 a month. Lots of great stuff over there. Um, but I want to try as we wrap up and we have some tips for the listeners. Um, we talked about selling on the Amazon platform. We talked about building a remote team. But but overall, we also wanted to cover um, opening up other income streams, right? And selling on the Amazon platform is, is one way to do that. But you've yeah. also built a team that helps other people sell online. I obviously right. don't want you to create a bunch of competitors to your product, but <laughs> I know a lot of people do web development consulting, potentially uh, WooCommerce consulting. Maybe you can uh, offer some tips as to uh, how you can specialize in helping people sell online. Is that is that too nebulous or do you think that's um, no, I think I can talk to that a little bit. I mean, obviously what we've seen this year is that e-commerce has taken off and within the the development space, there's a lot of things that are still needed. I mean, uh, more and more people are adopting just for one example, you know, website development, Shopify, everyone's mm-hmm. building Shopify stores now, uh, WooCommerce, you know, it's the same as well. Uh, there's a lot of people that are in the traditional retail space that need to start building those online presences. Um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people probably reaching out to them on the web dev side to kind of get that going. Um, another big area though is uh, application development for online. Um, you know, a lot of, there's so many different businesses that have different tech stacks and, you know, there's different connector tools like trade.io, Zapier, whatever you're using, uh, stitch data for APIs, uh, you know, API pipelines. So, understanding how to connect all that data for a lot of these companies that maybe don't have that technical experience is another good area where I think there's a lot of value for people that have web dev app development experience as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much data going on. There's so many different ways that like people need to be better at uh, manipulating it. I mean, just data visualization and uh, understanding data analytics and usage is, is very important. And that's another area where a lot of, uh, I think web development work could be done. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's really just reaching out to a lot of these retail businesses and just seeing what their needs are. I mean, everyone pretty much has some online need right now. It's just right. seeing whether you're a fit for it or whether you can find someone that can provide the service for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if focusing in, uh, I think, Mike, as you've done on on a particular platform, right? Kind of niching down, specializing yeah. in uh, becoming good at it is a way to differentiate yourself. 
uh, yeah. from other people. This episode is brought to you by MindSize. Look, it's super important for stores to have an online presence these days. If customers can't buy online, they might not buy at all. And while doing e-commerce fast has gotten easier, doing e-commerce right still has its considerable challenges. That's where MindSize comes in. They are a full-service digital agency that focuses on WordPress and WooCommerce development. But that's not all. They work with Shopify, BigCommerce, and more. And they'll work with you to create the perfect strategy and website for your business. Already have an e-commerce site and want to make sure it's up and running in tip-top shape? Their flat rate site audit is exactly what you need. Over the course of two weeks, they'll dive into every aspect of your site and deliver a prioritized list of actionable recommendations to make your site even better. That means more sales and engagement for you and your store. Or if you're a freelancer or agency who feels in over your head with an e-commerce build, their agency support plan is built specifically for you. There were a few times in my career where I really could have used that. They'll take a high-stress situation and help you relax while still delivering for your client. So check out MindSize over at MindSize.com today. They will help you make more money, whether you need an e-commerce store, whether you need to improve your current e-commerce store, or if you build e-commerce stores for others. That's MindSize.com, M-I-N-D-S-I-Z-E.com. Thanks so much to MindSize for supporting the show. The last kind of tip I do want to ask is we we alluded to it before, but how, if I want to if I want to start selling somebody else's stuff, right? If I don't <laughs> want to develop a product, uh, I just kind of want to sell it. Uh, what what do I do? Just maybe one to two things or two to three things uh, steps that I could do to find a product that I think is worth selling through uh, Amazon fulfillment. So if you want to sell other people's products, it's a little bit more difficult. Uh, more and more people are waking up to more and more brands, I should say, are waking up to selling on the Amazon platform. So a lot more people are taking it in-house. Um, retail arbitrage is one way, you know, just going to your local stores and seeing what's there. Um, the Amazon app, you can actually scan barcodes, see if it's on Amazon, see what the price point is. Uh, you know, you can kind of calculate whether you're going to make money based on what the, the discount is in store. That's one easy way to kind of get going. Um, something that's a little bit more challenging is to do is to go the reseller route or kind of like a dropship route as well, uh, where essentially you're purchasing inventory at wholesale, uh, directly from distributors. And then you're, you're selling it at retail. Uh, this is a good way that you can use other brands that are not yours. You can just purchase their products and put them on the Amazon platform that way and start selling. Uh, you know, there's going to be other competition there. So, mm-hmm finding the right distributors, getting the right uh, agreements with them. Maybe if you, if you can get an exclusive agreement for, for a distribution brand, I mean, that would be huge. Um, but yeah, that's another route you could go and uh, you know, just reaching out to these people and asking them for their product catalog, seeing what they have is just the way to kind of get that process started. Gotcha. Awesome. Well, if, uh, if anybody is interested in that, definitely uh, heed this advice, check, check it out. Uh, there's also a link in the show notes over at, how I built it slash two Oh nine. 
uh, to a drop ship episode that we did. Again, this is uh, probably 18 months ago, but still generally good advice. Um, so with that, Mike, I do need to ask you my favorite question, uh, which is, do you have any trade secrets for us? Ooh, trade secrets. Um, yeah, I mean, for sure. I think if you're going to go the route of building your own brand on the platform, uh, one of the, the biggest trends that's happening in e-commerce and one of the things you need to take into consideration when you're building your listings on Amazon is everyone's, well, not everyone, more and more per- people are purchasing from their phones. So mobile first is becoming more and more important. And you know, just it seems common sense, but maybe you probably don't realize it if you, you're not looking at it from the perspective of selling. Uh, when you're going through the, the app on Amazon, for example, uh, what comes up first is the product title and the images. People don't actually scroll down to the bullet points. So capturing their attention in the product images is one of the most important things you can do. And we utilize uh, you know, lifestyle photos, product photos with text overlays to, to call out the benefits right there in the photos. So as soon as they come, they're seeing the visual content, they're seeing the highlights of the product. And you know, probably within a few seconds, you, they're going to decide whether they're going to purchase the product or not based on how professional it looks, how well done it is, and you know, how much the product will actually benefit their lives. That's fantastic. Uh, call out benefits right in the photos. I think that's great. It's definitely worked on me. If I see it in the photo, <laughs> I don't need to go scouring through the description. Uh, and I thought of I thought of two points as you were talking there, right? More people are purchasing through their phones. Probably another benefit of being on the Amazon platform because most people who are using the Amazon app, it's extremely easy for them to pay on the phone. I have, uh, I'm, I'm sure we all have had the displeasure of putting in our name and address and credit card information on our phone, hoping we don't mess it up. Apple Pay has made that a little easier. Android Pay has made that, or Android Wallet has made that a little bit easier. Um, but with Amazon, it's press a button and you're you're good to go most of the time. A little too easy, maybe. Um, but uh, so I thought about that. And then you mentioned product title and images capture attention, really important, help people make the decision. How important are ratings and reviews? Social proof is one of the biggest things in e-commerce in general. Um, if other people think that a product's good, it's more than likely going to influence more people to buy the product. If you start getting bad reviews, you have a big problem on your hand because it's very hard to reverse that. Um, you know, I say this in anything, whether you're selling a physical product or a digital service, your product quality is the, the thing that's going to determine the most of your success. And even if it costs you a little bit more to do something, if you have a good quality product, you're going to get that good social feedback, those good reviews or ratings or whatever they may be. And that's only going to help sell more people down the road. So always focus on the, the product that you're putting out there to sell. Love it. Uh, I am going to ask you another question regarding getting Amazon reviews in the members only show as well. This is something that I'm generally curious about, but also <laughs> something I'm directly uh, involved with because people ask me to review their stuff all the time. And uh, I also just put out a book that has gotten a couple of bad reviews because it's not <laughs> like the last version. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about all of that in the members only show for now, Michael, thank you, or Mike, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Joe, first of all, thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. I hope I was able to provide some valuable insights. Uh, the best way to get in touch with me or get in contact with me is either through my website, amzadvisors.com 
or directly at my email, mike at amzadvisors.com. All right. I will include that and everything we talked about in the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 209. If you're a member, stick around for uh, the next part of the conversation. If you are not, consider it over at buildsomething.club. But either way, I really appreciate you tuning in. Uh, So uh, again, thank you so much to Mike. Thank you for listening. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Restrict Content Pro, Text Expander, and Mind Size for all of the show notes. You can head over to howibuilt.it slash 209. And until next time, get out there and build something.